Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless, and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, Promise Center. Good afternoon. Are you guys glad to be in God's house? Do you know that you guys are part of something extraordinary? God is doing some amazing, amazing things at the Promise Center, and this is my privilege for the first time to minister in this building. Last time I preached here, you guys were uh, on Lombardi and um, man, God did some amazing things there, but look at what God has done through this community. And the church is not a building, it's a group of people. All right, you guys are making me nervous. You can, you can talk back to me. The church is a community of people, it's a family of people that are on mission together. And I just, I just applaud you for your sacrifice and for your labor God is doing incredible, incredible things. Give honor to pastors Chad and Heidi, and uh, they are some of our dearest friends. And how many know you've been blessed with amazing pastors? Great, great, great people. Uh, My name is Justin, and I pastor City Church in Riverside, California. I have a big family. I have four kids, and if they can put that picture up. I'll introduce you to him. This is my oldest son, the guy with the glasses. That's Houston, 15 years old. The big guy, the big behemoth there behind him is Ashton. He just turned 14. And that is my little girl, Blake Elena, and my son, Braxton Lee, and my beautiful wife, Carolina. And um, a lot of people ask me, you know, why in the world did you have a family? Basically, we have like two batches of kids. Like, we almost got done with these guys, and then we had two more. I mean, why in the world did you do it? I don't know, but here we are. Uh, I was at, uh, we, we were at uh, the mall the other day, and this, you know, a lot of times elderly people don't have a filter, and this, uh, this elderly gentleman said, son, why didn't you quit with the older two? So, <laughs> so here we are. I, sometimes I feel like more like a grandpa than a dad. But um, we are so blessed, and, and there is actually a reason. Here's the real reason. Four years ago, and if any of you were part of this community four years ago, you, you might remember this, uh, but I went through a, a near-death experience. I contracted bacterial meningitis that turned into a massive brain infection. I had 15 lesions on my brain. Uh, they couldn't figure out what was going on. I was in ICU for a month in a coma, and they told my wife, they said, your husband has a 20% chance of survival, but if he comes through this, he's going to have severe brain damage, and he's never going to be the same. You're not taking the same man home. He's going to have severe side effects from this, and here I am four years later, completely healed, completely whole, no side effects, no side effects, 
no evidence that anything ever happened and give glory to God for that. And my wife, you know, she's always one of four kids and I was always, you know, hard line on two, you know, that's, that's going to be it, us four, no more. And when I came out of that, I was just so fully alive and happy to be alive. I was willing to agree to anything. And so um, these, these babies are our miracle babies and they are a gift, gift from God. Um, Zechariah, Zechariah, chapter number four, and I want to read to you verse number 10, Zechariah 4, verse 10, it says, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which reigns through the whole earth. I want to talk to you for a few moments, and I want to key in on this idea of don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. I pray for the next few moments that our understanding would be opened up and that we would be enlightened and that you would that you would open up our eyes and that we would leave here different than the way that we came in. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. How many have ever been frustrated with the timing of God? The pace of God? How many have ever received a promise from God and you're like, man, when is this going to happen? We used to sing a song growing up that's called, He's an On-Time God. Yes, He is. And, uh, you know, I, I just never thought that to be true. Because to me, it always seems like He's, he's late. Kind of feel like Mary and Martha, when they, were, when they were requesting Him to come and heal their brother. And they're like, if you would have been here, our, our brother wouldn't have died. And how many of you ever felt like that before? You, you, you ask for God to do something. And, and, and you ask earnestly, you ask in faith, and it doesn't seem like the thing that you have been believing for happens. And, uh, you know, I, uh, my, my wife is, is Colombian, and I, I learned something very quickly early on in our marriage that um, Colombians and, and Caucasians party very differently. You know, we, uh, when, I, when I, you know, growing up, they would, uh, you, you go to a party, and, you know, we, we pull up in our minivan, and uh, five minutes before the party starts, and you wait, and then you step right up at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock when the party starts, spend 45 minutes or an hour, and then everybody leaves. Um, in, in my Colombian side, my Colombian family, uh, the party begins when you get there. And, you know, you get there three hours later, five hours later, six hours later, and you got to bring all the food back out again, start up the music again. And nobody's overly concerned with, with time. Like the party starts when we get there. And, and sometimes I feel like God is a little bit like the Colombians, you know. It's like some, the party's going to start when he gets there, but it's, it's rarely ever on our timetable. And so it's easy to get frustrated in the process. But God is a God who works through small beginnings and small things. And if we will faithfully do the little things, the small things, if we don't get 
discouraged in the small things. Eventually, we will see the fulfillment of what God wants to do in our life. Well, in Zechariah chapter 4 in our text, there was a group of people that had become very discouraged with God's timing. And there was a man named Zerubbabel, and his name, he was the governor. His name literally meant means pressed out of Babylon or out of Babylon. He was not even alive when God's people had been taken into Babylonian captivity. So he was not there to see um, the former glory of, of what the temple looked like. But he was, he was um, tasked with this job by God to go and rebuild the temple. And one translation says in Zechariah 4.10... It says, they are disappointed because so little progress is being made. They're disappointed with the process. They're disappointed that they haven't seen more done. They thought that by this point, there would have been more done and they would have seen it. Anybody ever felt like that before? And you're like, man, I just, I, I know that God has put this in my heart. I know that God wants, to, wants my family to be restored. I know that God wants to bless my business. I know that God wants to bless, bless my family. And, and I've been trying to be faithful. I've been trying to do the small things, but it just seems like it's, it's not happening. And there's this sense of disappointed because I thought I would be further down the road by this time. He said, so, so they were disappointed with the lack of, of, of progress, but then God goes on to say that they will end up rejoicing because the work that, is put, that has been put in Zerubbabel's hands, God said, I'm going to bring it to a place of completion, and you're going to shout grace, grace, because it is going to be rebuilt. It may look like there's nothing there but ruins. It may look like you've been at this for several years and the temple has still not been built yet. It, it may look like there's, there's, there's no progress that's being made. But God said, just, just trust the process. It may look small right now, but my hand is on this and I am going to bring this to a place of completion. We get bogged down in small beginnings, don't we? Because we're into the big finish. I don't like projects. I like products. I like the end of a remodeling project, but I hate the process. I like to start things, but a lot of times I don't like to finish things. But the Bible says that, that, that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the pioneer. He's the beginner of something, but he's also the perfecter. And the thing that he begins, he wants to bring to a point and place of completion in our life. But why doesn't it happen when we want to see it happen? Why, 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 why is this? I was thinking about this the other day. Why, why doesn't God work at my pace? Like, man, he, he would do such a much better job if he just listened to me and did things when I wanted him to do it, how arrogant of me. But, you know, we just get impatient. Like, why finish this already? Because we want the big finish. Why is it that God makes us wait? Well, there's a few reasons. One is God is more concerned with 
the completion of the person than he is the completion of a project in your life. God is much more concerned with who you are becoming than what you are doing. God says it, you know, it's it's painful, but but even though it doesn't look like anything is happening, there's something that's happening in your life. Even when it doesn't look like God is working, you just got to trust and believe that God is always working. Just because, he, just, he, he told the people, just because it looks like it's small beginnings, don't, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise just the little bit of progress you're seeing in the rebuilding of this temple. You're going to eventually shout grace, grace, and I'm going to put a capstone on this thing. And the work that I have put in Zerubbabel's hands, he is going to complete the work. But right now you're frustrated. But, but I believe that a lot of times God says, I'm going to build you alongside the project. Because you couldn't handle what I want to do through you in your current state. You have potential, but you do not yet have the character to handle the work that I'm going to do in you. And so God, in His grace and mercy, He allows the dream to be developed alongside of our character. Because he wants to make small changes while we're in small beginnings so that we have the capacity to handle what he wants to do for us, in us, and ultimately through us. See, the most significant thing that God will do is what he does in us. God is so much more concerned with our character than he even is our calling. God is more concerned with us looking, acting, thinking, and talking like Jesus than he's interested in our our potential. He's interested in in, in who we're becoming. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this project, but I'm gonna build you alongside the project. Ecclesiastes says, better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient is spirit is better, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. See, there's a reason he said, don't despise small things, because he knows that we tend to despise small things. That's why he told us that. God knows something about small beginnings that we don't know. And even if your beginning is small, I want to tell you that God is doing something in you because he's the God of small things. He's the God who has used historically small numbers. He told the armor bearer, Jonathan, he said, I can save by by few or I can save by many. God is interested in using small people, people that don't look like much, people that don't have a, a stature or capacity, at least on, on worldly standards. God says, I, I actually raise up those kind of people and I use them to do big things. God's into using small gifts. It was, it was five loaves and two fish that he multiplied and fed the 5,000 with. God uses small moments. God loves to use small things. 
big things start small. God is committed to small beginnings. Every successful thing begins small. When you were formed by a microscopic, insignificant cell, no one knew you were there, but God knew you were there. When he wanted to illustrate to us about faith, he picked a mustard seed to illustrate what faith is. He said, I want to tell you about faith. If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, the big thing, mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. If you have just a little bit of faith, just a small amount of faith, it's not about, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. So if you have just a little bit of faith, you can do amazing and big things because small things put in God's hands have unlimited potential and capacity. I think God's most brilliant, and everything he did was brilliant. God's a genius, in case you didn't know. (laughs) But I think God's most genius creation is the creation of a seed. We see a seed, and God said, I see a tree. It's a seed. It's not yet what what it's going to be. But you see something in your life as a failure, and God says, I see it as a promise. When Jesus was brought down off the cross, he was put into a tomb, and it looks like he was being buried, but the truth is he was being planted because three days later he resurrected, and we are seeing the result of that seed over 2,000 years later because the church is here. It looks small. Bible says if the, the prince of this world of Satan would have known what he was doing, he would have never crucified him because it looked weak, it looked insignificant, but yet it was the cross was the instrument that God used to save the world. It started with a small, small thing. Don't judge your potential by the size of your seed. See, the enemy wants to contaminate and interfere in the small beginnings. He wants to bring discouragement in the small beginnings of your life because he knows if he can do that, he can interfere with what God is intending to do in your life. If he can get in on the ground floor of your dream and cause you to have so much discouragement and so much doubt If he can get you to give up in the beginning of a thing, during the the, the small beginnings of that dream, of that destiny, even your relationship with Christ, when you start off, it may be small changes that have been made. It It was one seemingly small decision to make Jesus Lord of your life and to put him first in your life. But if the enemy can move in and interfere with small beginnings, he knows that the thing that God wants to do in you is never going to reach maturation and it's never going to reach its potential. See, God is already in your next because he's in eternity. God doesn't live in time. God lives in eternity. He is he's timeless. He's living in an eternal now. He is without sequence or 
succession. He is without moment or duration. He is he's not the God who was, is, and will be. He is the God who was, is, and will be all at the same time. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is all these things at the same time. This is what that means. While you are in the smallness of your situation, the smallness of the beginning of something in your life, God is already at the fulfillment of that thing. And so while you're crying on Monday and it seems like you're facing a situation that seems insurmountable, God says, I'm already in your Tuesday when the solution to your problem comes and you're going to be laughing on Tuesday about something you've been crying about on Sunday. Because I'm already there. I'm the, I'm the beginning and, and I'm, the, I'm the ending. Don't get discouraged in the alpha of your calling, the alpha of your dream, the beginning of that thing, when it seems small. God wants to bring it to a place of completion. And what God has called you to do, everything that you need for your next is in your now. Everything that you need for your future, you're being prepared for, in your present. So God seeds what you need in your ending, in your beginning. When I think about this, I think about a young man by the name of David and the first Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel goes to Jesse's house and God has already revealed to him that God has already rejected Saul as king of Israel. And God said, I have, I have other plans, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to raise up a man to be king of, of this nation, and, and I want you to go to Jesse's house, and, and the, the, the king is over there. And so he goes to, uh, the man of God goes to, to Jesse, and he said, Jesse, he said, bring out your kids, bring out your boys. Jesse brings out three young, strapping, intelligent, sharp-looking men. And, and the prophet looks at one, he said, no, nah, that's not him. And then he looks at the next guy, he says, man, that, he's, he's impressive, but that's, that's not the guy. And then he looks at the third one, no, that's, that's, not, that's not the man that God has sent me here to anoint. He said, um, uh, Jesse, do, do you have any other, any other kids? And he said, well, I mean, kind of. Uh, <laughs> my other son is, is out tending sheep. And honestly, he, you know, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. We've given him the most insignificant job here. Um, he he kind of looks funny. He kind of acts funny. He's always out singing, writing songs, and 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 talking to animals. And he's just you know he's he's a millennial. He's a space cadet. You know what can I say? And and the man of God said, "Well, bring it, bring him to me." And and, and, he, and, and, and David comes, and the Bible says that David, his, his complexion was, he was ruddy-faced. He was red-faced. And um, he, he apparently wasn't maybe a lot to look at. The Bible doesn't describe any of his other three brothers, but the, the, the point, I believe, is, and I've, I've heard many theologians talk about this, and I can't make a bulletproof argument for this, but many believe that, that David 
was different looking. And the reason that it was pointed out in Scripture that he was different looking is he had already been marginalized and ostracized because he was potentially, potentially the son of one of Jesse's concubines or from possibly another wife. Now that, that, that can't be proven, but there was something different about him. He looked different. He acted different. And obviously it never entered into Jesse's mind when the prophet showed up to even call uh, David forth to even be looked at. And, and Jesse looked at this young man that smelled like sheep, that looked different, and the Spirit of God confirmed him, this is the man. And he takes the horn of oil and he pours it out on David's head. He anointed him to be king of Israel. Now, what was the immediate assignment of the king elect? He went right back into the backyard and was tending to his father's sheep again. Seems pretty disrespectful, doesn't it? It's like you've just been anointed to be king of Israel. And you've been marginalized and ignored and ostracized and been given the most menial jobs and been possibly mistreated by your family, your brother. And he was sent right back out to the field again. And we don't know a lot of what happened, but I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe he was doing the same things after he was anointed that he was doing before he was anointed. He's taking care of the sheep. And he's protecting the sheep from intruders. He's protecting the sheep from invaders. And he's writing songs and he's worshiping. And he has this amazing heart for God. He's a worshiper and he's a warrior in training. Jesse calls him and says, this is is a, a few chapters later. He said, hey, why don't you go take some pizza to your brother's? Because they're out there on the battlefield, and, and they're, they're hungry, and I want you to go check on them. The Bible says that David ran to the battlefield. I mean, he, he, was, he was up for it. I think there was something in him that knew all of the preparation, all of the time invested, all of the time being out, out in a backfield somewhere, God has prepared me for this moment of destiny. And he comes on the scene, and there is this big, loudmouth Philistine by the name of Goliath that is saying, send me a man that I may fight with him. And they had been staring at this guy for six weeks, 40 days. He had been taunting the armies of the living God. And David shows up on the scene and says, you know what? I have a solution for this loud mouth. Hey, coach, put me in. He run, runs to King Saul. Put me in. Put me in. Put me in. And it's like, are you, are you joking? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, I, I think at that point it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to help you. But he, he knew he was going to get slaughtered. But I, I'm going to at least give you some armor and a weapon so that it looks like I believed in you and equipped you. You know, And so David goes to Saul's tent, and he puts on this armor, and he tries to grab the weaponry of the king. And he said, you know what? This is not what I've been preparing for or using. He goes back to the king and said, thank you very much for the armor. 
Thank you for the weaponry. But let me tell you something. When I was tending to my father's sheep, and a lion came, and a bear came, I knew exactly what to do. I took a slingshot, and I was able to defend the sheep that, 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 that belonged to my father. He said, I'm going to take care of this loudmouth, but I'm going to do it in a way that I was prepared for through my small beginnings because everything that is needed for my future and my destiny has already been seeded in my beginnings. Do you understand what I'm saying? He had been preparing his whole life for this moment, and he went and grabbed the slingshot. And, you know, everyone talks about it, man, what a joke. This guy is going to take a slingshot, and, and the, the, the Holy Ghost took the five stones and killed Goliath. Think, think about this for a minute. Do you know that slingshots, I read something in National Geographic that said that slingshots in ancient warfare could travel at a speed, and it was like being hit by a pistol? It ended up being one of the most used weapons in ancient warfare. I don't know, but this is the deal, though. I don't know if anybody had thought of it, but it was brilliant. I can't take this guy on with a sword. He's massive. He's almost 10 feet tall. But I, basically, I'm going to take a pistol and shoot him in the head. And he had been, David had been preparing for this his entire life. Every single day he's out worshiping and he's using the slingshot. Boom, hitting rabbits and hitting trees. And he's defending, he's defending the sheep that was entrusted to him. And he killed the lion and he killed the bear. What I'm telling you is that everything that you need for your next, you are being prepared for in your now. Come on, Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, why? Why am I doing that? What's the point of that? Let me tell you this. The point of that is God is preparing you in your now for your next. And if we will embrace the training that God has placed in our life right now, we're going to be ready to face the giants in our next. But if we despise small beginnings, if we say, well, what I'm going through right now, the job that I'm working right now, or the assignment that I've been given at church to, to serve right now, I really don't think that's important. And, and, and the, the family, the crazy family that, that I have right now, we're, just, we're constantly trying to run from problems and run from trials. And God is saying, everything that is in your life right now is training. And it's getting you ready for the next that I have for you. And if you will honor, if you will honor what's going on in your life right now and saying, thank you, Jesus, for all the craziness. Thank you, Jesus, for this annoying job. Thank you, Jesus, for this annoying boss. Thank you, Jesus, for these issues. Thank you, Jesus, for these problems. Because that's going to be useful in my future. Because everything in my life is a test. When you understand that everything in your life is a test, you know that there's nothing in your life that is, that is insignificant. It all matters because God is trying to build something in you. God is trying to prepare you for your future. But He's got to prepare you with the now before you step into your next. If you don't despise the training of now, you'll be prepared for what's coming next. But if you ignore 
and despise and don't honor the training program right now. What's the training program right now? Everything. Everything that's going on in your life is the training program for your tomorrow. Everything that's happening today, all of the pressure of today, all of the problems of today, God is using it to build me up and to get me ready for something in the future. God is preparing me now for what he has already prepared for me. But he's got to get us to embrace Small beginnings. If we don't despise, if we despise the process, we'll forfeit the promise. There's, the, the, there's a payoff that's coming in your life, but if you, if you abort too soon, if you refuse to embrace the training, we're going to miss out on what God wants to do in us. I'm just coming to encourage you for a minute. Don't faint in the process. Get up early in the morning, and if you have the opportunity to deliver pizza, and it seemed like it seemed like a thankless job, go run to the battlefield. But it was God's setup to bring David into the public eye and to set him up. It was his coming out party. The small things in your life lead to the big things in your life. If you'll do it with gladness of heart, if you'll do it with obedience, if you'll embrace the process, if you'll stay planted, if you'll stay planted. There's so much angst. We get, we're in such a hurry. We're in such a rush to get to our next. And we're not focusing on who we're becoming in the now. And, and I talked to, talk to our, our church is, is full of, is, we're full of millennials. We have all kinds of young people in our church. And, and it's crazy, man. People 23 years old and they have all of this angst and all this pressure because they want to change the world. Listen, you're going to change the world if you stay planted and let God build you up. Let God prepare you for what's coming next. Don't get caught up in the hype of trying to make something happen. Trust God that God is going to do something significant in your life in His timing. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. What you think is a waste of time could be the development program for your destiny. Philippians 1 6, he said, Being confident in this very thing, that he who has began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God has started in you, God wants to finish in you. And he's not brought you to this point and place in your life to leave you. He's not brought you into the wilderness to kill you. Everything that's happening in your life right now is to prepare you for what's next in your life. Do you receive that today? Why don't you stand to your feet? I just want to encourage you, don't quit. There's things in your life 
that were not meant just for your benefit, the dreams that God's placed in your life. It's not just for you, it's for others. There's somebody else that's going to benefit from what God has called you and anointed you to do. There's somebody else that needs your gift. They need your talent. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a ministry. Whatever it is, you know exactly what it is. Maybe it's your family. You're like, man, I, I, I feel like we should be further along by now. I feel like we should have made more progress, and I'm, I'm frustrated with how long this is taking. Don't abort the process. Embrace the process. Lean into the process. Trust God. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And God's building you. God's building you. God's building you. He's increasing your capacity. He's developing. He's developing your patience. He's doing something in you. And ultimately, he's going to do something powerful through you. But first, he's got to do it in you. Let him do it in you. People that need your gift. People that need your voice. They're never going to see it if you quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. He who has began a good work in you, he will complete it 